Welcome. Episode uh, six here of Energy Bites. Rad Dad is is in the house. John Calfian. Got my co-host here, Bobby Nealon. And we've got Jeff Davies today as our guest. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate yeah. you coming. I'm I'm excited to uh, to chat a little bit. For sure. Got uh, I think there's lots of interesting kind of tidbits we can talk about today. Um, so normally we just ask everybody to kind of introduce themselves. How you know where are you from? How did you kind of get? Give us kind of some backstory on how you kind of got to this point. Sure, Jeff Davies. I'll do this kind of as quick as possible. Grew up in New York, Syracuse, kind of New York area, so upstate. Undergrad, Binghamton. End up. I, I had to go Google where exactly. I knew I know the name, but I was like, where actually where is, is exactly? that? And I was like, oh, that's nowhere near where I thought. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? If you say you're from New York people think you're from the city. Right. Yeah, yes. absolutely. It's I a live, much bigger I state. I grew up next to a farm, basically, yeah. right yeah. in the middle of nowhere. So kind of one one stoplight town, basically. So I end up down in Charlotte, worked for a bank for 10 years down in Charlotte, first union that turns into Wachovia, then Wells Fargo, uh, loan syndications group. So doing big corporate loans for kind of all industries. Then I roll into a uh, portfolio management group in 0304. So I'm an old dude. Um, I start covering utilities in 03. Utilities back in those days had E&P arms, right? So I was covering utilities and energy, really. And then 04, I get asked to cover uh, energy. We were using credit default swaps to basically kind of manage our portfolio, layoff risk, add risk, diversify, basically. Roll that into a prop trading group. Again, so give during- me give me some context. Is that pre or post Enron? That's post Enron. That's right around the or time right of around. Enron, okay. actually. Yeah. So this is the timing. Some great stories from back in those days. Um, you know, one year TXU CDS was trading at like 1500 basis points, 15, 15% for mm-hmm. one year credit risk, right? Because the whole marketing thing blew up, right? So like it was, you know, when I was learning CDS, it was cutting the teeth on like the very first few years of it. Um, and it was right when the you know, energy marketing scandal hit basically. So like all sorts of utilities were blowing up right as I was learning utilities and right as I was learning credit too. And we learned credit and credit default swaps, the group I was gotcha. in. So super interesting. Um, so, you know, after I prop desk, again, covering utilities, energy tech, prop desk is doing convert ARB. It's doing, uh, high yield, distressed, bank debt, et cetera, et cetera. So I have this like wide range of exposure to kind of in investment uh, products and because you get the equity exposure and converts, right? So, and uh, energy stuff. So then convert ARB fund, I jumped to a convert ARB fund in Minneapolis, seven years up there, covering energy, utilities, tech. Uh, we were up in 08 when everybody else was down, right? So that was our claim to fame. We were up 12%. <laughs> Uh, most convert hours were down 50 everyone, yeah. everyone else was there. Right, right. So, <laughs> and it's kind of, let me super quick story. We were 400 million in assets, right? The convert our fund, you can lever about six times. So you had like 2.4 billion in positions. We owned 350 million countrywide bonds going into 08 on 400 million of assets. Right. So, <laughs> and countrywide got bought by bank of America. We owned them going into the year at like 65 cents on the dollar. They popped in like mid January to 100 cents on the dollar. So we made basically like call it 120 million dollars on 40 400 million in assets in a single day. Made 25 percent in a single day the day that was announced, and it was the luckiest trade ever because Bank of America wishes they never did that deal. Yeah, (laughs) that's uh, it would have gone. You know, we we assumed recovery was 40 percent. All these assumptions they were all wrong. Yeah, so it was luck. That's how life works, right? So. Uh, but the thing was, we were able to be aggressive coming out of that because we were up. I was doing a whole bunch of energy stuff. Uh, the way it worked there, I was doing uh, analysts for the distressed stuff, analyst for convert ARB, and then I would trade my own high yield stuff, basically. Right. So I got a name to be like a smart energy dude. I was doing a whole bunch of stuff over in Norway, too, for like rig markets, Plateau and Pareto are the brokers over there. So we were financing a whole bunch of rigs, offshore stuff coming out of the crisis. And then um, TPH reached out to me in like 2012. They were looking to, you know, have a credit effort startup. So I actually commuted for about 18 months, 
uh, TPH was going to co-brand a fund with another private equity group, basically. That kind of falls apart as I joined the company. I'm working for Dan Pickering uh, at the time, you know, and if you know TPH, basically, or was, I should say, it was investment banking, equity sales, trading research, and then asset management, right? So I'm in that group. Credit effort falls apart. Dan and I are able to raise some capital from uh, some pensions or a single pension. Actually, we do co-investment for a year, year and a half. And then I was able to accumulate some some money to basically launch a credit fund in early 15 with the view that credit was going to blow up. Uh, it did. The money I had was long short. We quickly kind of, you know, did well in 15, 16. I basically, you know, had a week, a couple of weeks where I lost 15%. Capital gets pulled. Uh, I ended up winding the fund down and left TPH. So that's kind of my story leads me to what we're going to discuss today, where I take kind of year, year and a half off. I then work for a software startup, call it a poor man's Bloomberg. Um, I saw there, you know, and that's kind of during COVID and whatnot, saw there super unfocused kind of efforts and gosh, we were spending money like crazy. We had 12 devs in Kansas, probably needed two or three for the project. So learn some lessons there. Uh, when I left there, I ended up at I midlife crisis, let's call it right. Because I don't want to go back to asset management. Didn't want to live that daily mark to market right. life it sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, all right, let me take my energy expertise. And this leads me to basically about 12 months ago, start putting out intersection. Okay. So intersection is, Hey, let me see if there's a market for poor man's wood Mac, let's call it. Uh, let me put out energy insights around intersection is the intersection of traditional energy and new energy. And let me wrap because, you know, as I'm on Twitter, as I'm on kind of everywhere, it seems like there's so much bias in your view of what's happening in energy. So if you can just take data driven right. insights, say, let's just forget about our opinions and let the data tell us what's happening. Like, like traders do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think there's value in that product. So I wanted to see if, if, you know, there was kind of, uh, you know, folks that would enjoy that. So had success early, did a co-byline with Bloomberg, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times quoted and all that stuff, CNN, all that stuff. Um, and, and really it was pretty rudimentary. I'll take a step back. When I, when I launched that, I reached out to a guy that I, I met through Upwork. In, in Croatia, he's in the Greb. His name's Belly, and he and I said, or I needed some D three JS visualizations, right? So um, I didn't know. Okay, I'm going to get this data. How am I going to visualize right. it, right? And let's take a step back there. Why do you visualize data? For me, it's always been my entire career where I want to see charts and tables. It's easier to extract right. business it's insights. How, it's how humans just looking at a spreadsheet. Yeah, right? it's how right. humans extract. Here's a, here's a huge table. You know. right. right. What's it mean? What's it saying? Right. So there's We all understand that, right? There's value in that. And that's ultimately where you know, this conversation is going to lead. Um, but I showed him, you know, hey, here's what I need to do. Uh, and he said, you know, don't pay me. Let's just figure out if we can turn this into a business. So at this point, you know, we've been working together for a year. He's a friend at this point. Right. So. So we do that for a year and this leads me to then uh, say, you know, and I'm building a subscriber list basically. Yeah. I haven't tried to monetize it to this point. Let's say January 1st this year, it's like, oh shit, you know, I need to scale this thing. I need to turn this into yeah. a business. Um, so I need to do two things. Uh, what we were doing was pretty rud rudimentary had some scripts using Google Sheets, right? And I'm an Excel nerd, but there's some nice things about Google Sheets that you can kind of, you have Google runtime on their server, yep. which is free, yep. right? Yep. Uh, embedded in their products. So we would basically just kind of write scripts to extract data from different APIs, mm -hmm. energy APIs, query it, play with it, drag and drop it in, or, you know, tie it to a D3JS if we were doing super interactive stuff. Or we were using, we started using Data Wrapper as a off the shelf product, basically. And, you know, stop there. Super huge fan of Data Wrapper. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit more because I wasn't familiar until I started looking up 
Yeah. So, I mean, Which data wrapper is, let's just, yeah, I mean, you know, comp for Tableau, comp for Spotfire, comp for Excel, yeah. comp for Google Sheets, comp for really any data visualization platform. It's not considered, I think, in that same uh, group, but I think it should be, quite frankly. Uh, why is that? Probably because they have focused on the journalist niche because mm -hmm. it's actually the whole founding group is a folk, uh, you know, a whole group of journalists, New York Times, et cetera, et cetera. It's really the de facto platform for every news organization on the planet. But if you do look at, you know, their customer list, they have Moody's, they have Fitch, they have energy aspects, uh, they have uh, United Nations, think tanks, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Right. And, well, so and, and their big thing is, is specifically really interactive, uh, meaning if you hover over your right. chart, you can see the data. And it's reactive to screen size as well. Mm -hmm. So if you create a visualization, it kind of works it's everywhere. Like natively native, reactive. Yeah. Native and super easy to use. Yeah. Like yeah. their UI is super easy to use. Yeah, because that's the thing, like D3JS is not, you know, if, if you're just coming into it, <laughs> like it's not friendly, but it, but it is super powerful. So that they can abstract that for you. And well, and that's a, put it I in mean, hands. it's a very common problem. Well, I've run into a number of times where it's like, hey, we need a plot but we also need to be able to share this plot. Sometimes we need to share it privately. Other times we don't care if we publish it. And then it's like, okay, well, if I'm using Power BI or Spotfire, then there's one way to do that. You know, well, now I've got to have a Power BI, a specific Power BI license to share it in the cloud and all of that fun stuff versus something like this, which it sounds like is a much easier way to just go and Right. And, and I mean, just something. to give them, uh, you know, a, uh a kudos to they have the best probably free plan on for the sure. planet too right yeah. so it's free forever they've made a guarantee that your charts will never leave their servers or the web will always be accessible uh and that free plan really all you get is kind of the created by data wrapper attribution yeah i noticed when i was looking at pricing that there wasn't a ton of uh at least on a smaller scale basis need to even have to go to the paid plan right 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 that's cool so so that was our, you know, kind of that's our tech stack, let's call it. And we needed to scale. And we're still at the point where it's like, hey, you know, like every, I think, early stage startup should be. Let's not spend a whole bunch of money yep. and do databases until we know like there's people that are going to pay for yeah. this product. Right. And I would advise everybody to do that. And that's probably the best thing. Having my partner with me, Belly, is he, you know, created, sold a tech company over in Croatia and he's got the tech scars and he. You know, I'm a dude, idea, idea, right. idea. And he keeps me in kind of these yeah. guardrails of like, let's let's do what we have to do. And let's let people that are going to pay us tell us what we're going to yeah. need to do. Right. So. So, the, I mean, that partnership has been great. Um, but anyways, we need to scale ourselves. So we're pulling data from all over the place. And, and basically this project that I'll talk about Rapify started is uh, really intersection. So I kind of got two things that are pre-revenue that. Going down these paths, I think Rapify is the more interesting of the scale, quite frankly. But it started as intersection, right? And and I think this is as I've dug into things recently too. This is the story of a lot of startups where we were trying to solve our own pain points. Yeah, right. I needed to extract data at scale, and I needed to turn it into content at scale. Okay, because. I didn't want to these like pieces that I'm putting out in an intersection or take me three or four hours. And I want to turn that in 15 minutes, right? Yeah. 20 minutes. Uh, so I can, you know, put this out and then do consulting and do more kind of build a data product. Uh, so, you know, again, doing it as an MVP prototype, we've built this data API aggregator inside of Google Sheets, where let's just call it a custom sidebar. I can, you know, access EIA data, DOE data, National Renewable Energy Laboratory data, all the European data sets, NOAA weather data, all in one place, access the endpoint, tell Google when to update that for me, put it on a timer, that data comes into a sheet, right? So that's, and the beauty of Google Sheets is it's kind of a poor man's database, uh, let's just call it. Absolutely. That's that's always my go-to. So, so, so I mean, so how are you calling it? Like, I mean, what, what are you using to call those APIs from Google, Google App Script? Okay. So Google has its own it's incredibly uh, language that a lot yeah. of people don't know about. Yeah, right? that's, I don't want to highlight that. Uh, incredibly underutilized tool. Yeah, it, it really I is. Mean, and it's built for workflows. That's at the end of the day yeah. what it's built for to make their products better. Sure. Right. So it's a simple like, you know, you were all 
API call, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, again, I have my two partners that are doing most of the coding. I won't sure. sit here and try to imply I'm doing it. I am dangerous enough to throw yeah. an app script together and say, <laughs> go to this API. And I mean, but that's actually part of the reason I went down this path because basically like 1st of July, EIA was changing their yeah, API. Different version there. Right? So I was like, oh shit, their new version Hooray. sucks. Yeah. Maybe I should build my own. And then it was like, gosh, what we've built, we might be able to like, you know, monetize. And then, you know, one time I wanted to put a piece out on European gas storage and uh, procrastinating like I always do. I, you know, it was like waiting till Sunday night, late at night. And I was like, oh, I'll just be able to tie into the API, pull the data, you know, do these data wrapper charts. It'll be an hour. Couldn't figure it out. Right. So I had to copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Oh. Took me like three hours. And I light bulb goes off. Like there's got to be a lot of people that. Yeah. You know, so I actually think that data aggregator API thing is a super interesting business. We probably will aggregate it with what I'll describe here as Rapify. But so we have data coming into Sheets now at scale. And and literally like this product that we have that is really just what we're using right now. Think of if you got a six or twelve dollar a month Google uh, business account, you know, in a matter of a month, once you just kind of link it to a whole bunch of data sets, you could have every major global energy data set downloading itself onto your Google Drive, you yeah, know, right. for like 10 bucks a month. With, right? with like 10,000 or 20,000 data sets. Right. Without yeah. having to spin up a single server exactly. or write microservices or anything like exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and what is the, what are some of the limits of Google Sheets versus, I mean, even like row, like how many rows can you put in a Google Sheet? I'm not, I believe it's 5 million cells is ultimately okay, five the limit. Yeah. Right. No, so that's these, what you use. So if you have tall and skinny, you could actually go past the Excel yeah. Limit? Okay. yeah. 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 So, so yeah, it, I mean, does it work for every use case? Probably no. not. Right. Yeah. But like there's, I mean, the, we all know this, there's still this massive community of people that use spreadsheets. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen these charts where it's, Hey, what's the most common programming language? Let's call it mm -hmm. right. And like Python might be, you know, a fraction of what Google Sheets and Excel are. Right. Yeah. It's just, there's so many people that use spreadsheets still. Yeah. And, no, not, and I'm a big believer away. of two of like, Hey, listen, I we're we're trying to focus on the data analysts, right? You've got data analysts, data scientists, data scientists, I view as coders yeah. and their machine learning AI. That's where everything's going. They, they course, understand right? databases. But, but I think a lot of ideas that end up in the data scientist level start at the data analyst level. Oh yeah. Where you have a smaller project and a smaller idea and you spin up a spreadsheet full of data Yeah. and you say, Hey, this is interesting. We need to do more with it. Right. right? So, and if you can increase the velocity of those ideas that happen at spreadsheet level, it benefits you at the data scientist level. Oh yeah. No, I mean, and that, I think the workflow you're talking about is one that we have a lot of success with even like at GME where it's, you know, pulling in from the database, but into a spreadsheet for like, say for the accounting yep. folks, like into their pivot tables where they're, you know, you, they're comfortable there. I mean, just, but I mean, get, doing it in a programmatic way. So, I mean, like, I think getting data into spreadsheets programmatically is more important. Like, because what you're trying to do is to do it at scale where it's repeatable. Like yeah. I think it's been the big knock on spreadsheets is always that it's just always this manual work. And, you know, Jeff has this crazy, you know, spreadsheet that he only, only he knows right. how to use. He and, coded. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you're making reproducible workflows with them, I mean, they're super powerful. Yeah. So. And the data, the data is only valuable if it's in front of the person who knows how to use it and yeah. wants to use it. Right. Like that's, I feel like that's a big struggle across the industry. Just, regardless of what, you know, sub niche or, and whether it's accounting or engineering, right. It's like, Hey, I don't, I can understand the data if I have it. Yeah. But if I have to go set up a bunch of databases and, you know, spin up a Python script to run a server that goes and queries it every, then we start getting a little hairier, right? Like I'd rather use, I, God, I'm not even, <laughs> I don't want to say it. I'd rather use a Zapier esque tool to just get it into a Google sheet once a day and go play off of the Google sheet. And, uh, what is Google's visual, uh, visuals looker, looker, yeah. looker yeah. right? Like yeah. it's super straightforward. Yeah. I can build an infinite number of dashboards and publish them for free. Right. Just, it's, it's very handy. Yeah. Right. But I think it's worth noting too, though. Cause I mean, you've, you said, I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other two for people. Right. I mean, cause like you, 
can you go by bi-directionally? You can move Google Sheets into BigQuery, right? But yeah, can't you yeah. go the other way? You can pull into Google mm-hmm. Sheets from BigQuery also. Correct, so. correct. right. Yeah, people people sleep on on the Google stack, I think, a lot. But as someone who has been using it for the last couple of years, there's a lot of like hidden, like the, the uh, what is the coding? The query language? function inside Google Sheets is more powerful yeah. than VLOOKUP or HLOOKUP yep. or yeah. index offset. Any, I mean, it's the best well, formula in a spreadsheet that I've ever, I'm a 30 year spreadsheet. Yeah, guy, yeah. Right? even the, but like the coding language, what is it? App Abstract, script, App script, yeah. right? Like I've used that in the past for one of my companies that I work, one of the startups I work for, for contracts, right? Like we had our contract, I created a template of the contract and in a uh, Google doc, I then created a form that me as my sales, per- as the sales guy <laughs> filled out. And every time I filled out that form, it would go dump those fields directly into that contract. And now I have a contract that I don't have to manually go through and mess yep. with. I don't have to go pay for a service to do it. And it, completely automated yes, it's yes, like yes. it just works yeah right and it's relatively straight like you can find a write-up with the code and everything on the internet very easily yeah yeah so so we're at the point okay get back in the story we're at the point where we're ingesting data at scale gosh how are we now going to create kind of charts at scale and we have data coming in on triggers and whatnot how do we time charts on triggers right so hadn't used the data wrapper api prior to this at this point, Veli and I, my partner in Zagreb and I are kind of working on the data side of things. And I actually reached out to, you know, funny, I mean, kind of just the way life works. I'm like, what what can we do in, you know, kind of Google Apps Script and who's doing cool add-ons? Yeah. It's like what, what, where my mind's going. So I start watching all these like YouTube videos and I find this guy in Shenzhen, China. His name's Ashton, Ashton Fei, And he's got a YouTube channel on basically workflow automations using Google Apps Script. And he's doing some of the coolest design I've, I've seen ever, quite yeah. frankly, ever on any add-on. So I basically like watch 40 hours of his stuff, just watching his, I'm like, I gotta get in touch with this dude, track him down and, you know, ask him to start like, hey, what can you do for me with data wrapper with all this data that I'm pulling in? And yeah. like, we didn't know what we could do with the API at the time. And there was really no template to look at, quite frankly. Um, and for the first month, it was basically like, Hey man, just go sandbox and figure out like what yeah. we can do, like play around and doing this and doing that. And it's really starts out. Like, how can I create charts from my spreadsheet to data wrappers API? And then I have this like centralized library and really the, the early start is like, well, I'm just going to use those embed codes back at my website as yeah, in, in right. reactive iframes and do what I've been doing. Right. And it's just a crazy story, quite frankly, where, you know, I was like, well, it'd be really cool on Twitter to like maybe take some of these like visualizations that I'm doing and and stitch them together in a GIF so I can put it out. Like yeah. people might click on that more. Right. So it's like ask, talk to Ash. And he's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. But like the process is you have to create a Google slide deck. Okay. And then the Google slide deck gets turned into the GIF. Right. So he shows me like, let's do this. Boom. We figured it out. Also and, doable with yes, yeah, yeah. app sheets. And, and then the light bulb goes off. It's like, well, w- wait a second. We're automating slide decks here, yeah. right? Um, so we can place content into slide decks. And, you know, kind of right around that si- time, I had sent a tweet out. Um, hey, kind of figured out how to automate slide decks. If anybody's interested, love to kind of chat with you. And, you know, person reaches out to me and says, Hey Jeff, have you ever heard of ThinkCell before? Right. Okay. So we're still. This is kind of like early first week of February of this year, right? And it's hey, you know, I look into ThinkCell. What's ThinkCell do? All they do is make thirty charts for PowerPoint, and they kind of automate it and kind of automate the data, but not in a very well, good good way. Quite frankly, their market is consultants, investment bankers, right? People that get paid a lot of money to make slide decks. Okay. Um, and they do certain charts that you just can't do in Excel and Google Sheets sure. too, right? So it ends up that company sold for $1.2 billion in 2001, right? A million users kind of paying $30 a month, right? So then the light bulb goes off of like, gosh, our product is pretty much as cool as that. We keep developing it. Um, we keep developing the sheets piece. We keep developing the slides piece. 
and you know make a long story short myself uh veli gasparovich and zagreb and ashton Fay and shenzhen came together as three co-founders we've created a company called rapify rapify is industry agnostic we think it works for really any industry um but it what is it it's a means to uh if you can get data in a spreadsheet and that can be static data that you punch in or, or you know, programmically yeah. you can get data in a spreadsheet we can handle the whole process of taking that data updating charts helping you create charts at a 50 to 95 percent time savings i was gonna say so let's unpack that for a minute too because that's part of the a benefit or feature that I, that i think is interesting is it's not just okay here's you know the typical okay, here's my source data, here's my X, here's my Y, and then I want this, I know that I want this, so I'm gonna go do that. You also provide basically the ability for it to extract its own or additional insights, is that, is, or is that a, not insights, but the different types of plots, I guess is a better way. Uh, or is that- I a, mean, at current, the current version, the users are really customizing okay. the- the version of the chart. I mean, again, there's AI things that we can right. do down the path and things we've thought about, but you know, the current version, it's, it's an automation yeah. um, effort, not an AI effort yeah. currently. Right. So it is. And quite frankly, I mean, just stop on that. I don't really see, you know, just, and I'm going to be wrong on this, of course. Right. But like, I don't see like an AI solution that is there quite frankly for no. data viz. I, uh, You're going to prompt and prompt and prompt and prompt and prompt that. before we could do it in half the time for you automating it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't see people like saying, Hey, AI go crazy into my data sets and, you <laughs> yeah. know, extract what you want. It is a good option for like, Hey, if I want to get a start for a deck and here's my topic and I want some text and some right. images, Yeah, but I don't know about the data viz side. Right. And if we're at the point where nobody's doing data visualizations because AI is doing everything, <laughs> like yeah. much I think we issues. all just need guns and cabins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because yeah, I mean, but that, that stuff scares me for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we can talk about that, but anyway, so we're, you know, all right, like Ashton go crazy, figure out what we can do. We've built this, you know, really, I think amazing product to me, it's revolutionary, not evolutionary where you can create kind of, uh, uh, charts from Google sheets. Uh, those are ba basically, you know, saved in the cloud. And then that cloud library we provide is basically a centralized library or a team library. Think of it as a sidebar scrollable with thumbnail images. I can basically drag and drop that stuff into slides. Currently that will probably expand into docs and emails and those types of things. But it's, um, you know, just think about the current process of how this stuff works, where every excel spreadsheet every powerpoint deck is a silo and what i mean by yeah. that is you might be down the hallway and working on a powerpoint deck and have created a really cool slide in there or did a chart inside of your spreadsheet i have no idea that you did right. that yeah right whereas like our setup you'll be able to see what your team's working on and and hey let's put this into an investment banking kind of uh context you know, probably every pitch deck, every strategy, uh, you know, analysis includes an oil price chart. And that yeah. is just being recreated yeah. and recreated no, and recreated. You create that once you tie it to an auto updating data set and that chart is ready once a, a day. And just every, yeah. Everybody has access to it. Well, you it's drive, it's drive, not drive, even drive. the chart when, either. It's also the data set too, right? Like exactly. that's, I think that's, again, you've got so many different people in a organization that want to use a data set, but they're, you know, like uh, when Bobby and I worked together, I would use oil price. <laughs> oil price, <coughs> excuse me. Oil price was a leading indicator by a quarter of revenue for our company. Like it was the clearest correlation of any of the data that we had. And it's like, okay, so I can put that in every single revenue chart that we have because I would pull in, you know, past and then futures, and that helps, right? For sure. And, for but sure. having to do that manually every single time was such a huge pain and and to know that everybody's using the same data set right yeah. at the same that's time, very right? very so true you're using governance. brand you're using futures you're using prompt right, right. so it's like yeah. hey here's our here's our one source of data that feeds one chart that everybody uses in in the same presentation or report yeah um so you know at the end of the day it's just workflow efficiencies you know once you set this type of stuff up you know again a, a slide deck can be turned 11 by eight and a half into a one page report right can be a two page report three page report we can do the same thing in docs where it's 
hey, if you just kind of um, uh, set it up once, a slide deck, a report, and it's we have this dynamic text function too. So imagine inside of a sheet, hey, I have data coming in that I'm feeding into charts, but in a cell, I want to write a formula that tells me what's my year over year change. And we can ex and, and concatenate it with text in that formula. I can then pull that text into your slide as your header, let's say, right. referencing your chart. So now you have text Hi. that automates itself and says, hey, here's what's happening on the chart. Automate the entire process so that when you're sleeping at 5 a.m., right. all that stuff updates, and then it sends it to your boss at 6 a.m. while you're in the shower, you know, type yeah. of thing, right? So it's a complete workflow automation. And why does this work for everybody? Because, you know, what, I mean, we like to say, like, every company is a potential customer, right? Because everybody's got an IR function. Everybody has <laughs> yeah. internal and external reporting needs. Everybody has, you know, kind of FP and A, right? Yeah. Everybody has sa their sales mm -hmm. motions here, right? Um, let me take my customer data and have more contacts with them. And I automate the entire process. Um, so, so we think it's, you know, applicable to everybody. And, you know, I would stop there too, right? This is an energy tech podcast. When I think of energy tech, you have CapEx and OpEx, right? Yeah. So CapEx, that's going to be very specific to uh energy technologies and how we drill and there's amazing things happening there well when you think about the opex side i don't know that there's really any difference between energy companies and everybody else no. right like it's yeah. how do i take signals from my business iot or sales signals or what how do i crystallize those yeah. into insights yeah how do i manage my accounting process my receivables process my operations all that is the same tech we just do it differently yeah. basically same functions, I should no, say. No, 100%. It's kind of one of the reasons we started this podcast is that there are these so many kind of overlapping pieces, right? And it's like, does an accountant know, you know, how the data got there? Probably not. Do they need to? Probably not. But it's still the same data, right? Like data is driving all of these departments. And so regardless of if you're a dev like Bobby or if you're on the BD kind of sales side like me, the data is required across all of them. And so there's a lot of different interesting tools that we've kind of found just through natural conversations that are like, oh, well that you're using that for databases for updating, you know, IoT and Snowflake and all this other stuff. Well, that same tool also helps me out because they have all these social plugins that I can pull data from all of our social channels. So it's it's just an interesting realm because it's there's so much overlap, but there's also still so little clarity on like what tools are unless you're deep in your own niche right? right right and and you know the story i just told is one of a pretty darn quick story right yeah. like basically yeah. february 1st to today i mean we were <laughs> we're frustrated that we're not on google workspace and we're hoping we're like monetizing this product by july 1st let's call it right yeah. it'll be kind of a 20 to 30 dollar a month product volume mm -hmm. discounts uh, if you do need to white label data wrapper, you know, that there's a cost to that, but it's free to yeah. like in our thing will be, there'll be parts of ours. They'll be free forever too is because, um, you know, there's this massive top of funnel, which, in, you know, these are the things that have gone off in our head over the last few months, right? There's this massive top of funnel of uh, a billion Google Sheets users. Right. And I, I'll just be honest with you, we've out engineered Google from how you create a chart, right? Like yeah. their process is oh, yeah. 50 to 90% longer. It's yeah. not easy to do. The product doesn't look better. That's, no, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, visual, I mean, because I think that's one thing, I mean, talked a little bit, but I mean, when you actually go to the data wrapper website, you see like, you see charts that you see like, and they're beautiful charts. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it is what you see because it's used in the New York Times or right. Financial Times and stuff like that. I mean, they're really high quality visuals, visualizations. Yeah. You know, so it's not, you would have to put a lot of effort, whether it was, <laughs> you're fine. About that. No, no, you'd okay. have to put a lot of effort into your, I mean, it's probably not even possible to do some of this stuff with, with a Google, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, charting. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, even Excel Some of the maps that they provide, some of the charts just aren't, aren't yeah. able to be done, right? No, um, but like how do the, so I mean, because they're interactive, right? And like, and you, then your Google Sheets are interactive. Like when you're, you can hover on those uh, visualizations in no, the sheet so, or so the static. Focus, our focus is more on dropping images into, right? So okay. like if you, if, if you do a, a slide deck, it's going to be. It's, it's going to be static. Be, yeah, it's going to be static. Okay. Right. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, again, I think at some point 
we get down that path where it is interactive but yeah, our current yeah. focus is just like hey i need a report sent to my yeah, boss right this like, is a snapshot yeah this is a snapshot of time well and um, like to your point you know and then at least my from my coming from my background right like daily rig reports daily drilling report like there's so many reports in the oil field that go out on a you know scheduled basis or recurring basis and it's like you could literally automate the entire thing with what you're talking about right very easily with next to no additional cost for sure for sure i mean you know just imagine friday at you know 4 p.m you own owe your boss uh a sales report, a mm -hmm. KPI report, you owe them a, you know, kind of production report. If you can get that in a spreadsheet, you know, you set it up once and literally right. I think it's like less than an hour time to set this thing up where it's like, let me make a table, a chart and, you know, maybe a map and let me then automate that stuff, turn it into a one pager, two pager, mm -hmm. send it to my email distribution list. Yep. It's done. It's on a schedule, whatever time I want now i never have to touch that again so when yeah. you start thinking about like that that process like what you can compound over right. time right like just imagine me as a content creator supplies digital wildcatters where it's like hey let me extract ei data now i let's me let me do this solar monthly report with like all the solar data that comes out monthly once i set that up once it's done right. now let me do a wind monthly now let me do a you know semi-annual piece on geothermal let me do a you know, net gas piece and, you know, power plant data and, you know, production data, generation data, you know, after, you know, three or four five, six of those pieces, now I got a real business, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, no, and I don't sure. do any work, you know? Yeah. Um, well, throw, throw some chat GPT on there. And right. You, right. You got, well, I mean, you got a you, newsletter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ready to go. Exactly. Cause you can imagine inside of Google sheets, Hey, chat GPT, take a look at this data set. Mm -hmm. And tell me what's happening, put that in a cell, and then we have the software to extract that text right into your report. Right. Yeah. If so, you're not using the uh chat GBT Google Sheets plugin, go download it. I, I apologize. I'm getting it's, some it's, Slack it's messages here from my dad. Oh no, it's team. okay. So uh, <laughs> we both know I, I would say too, real quick, like I mean, this sounds like I said, I was going back to this sounds like a project that came together real quick, but this is this is the project uh or the product of a dude that has been in spreadsheets for 30 years, yeah. right? Like some kid out of college hasn't lived the pain points I have, right? Yeah. Like my experience of having been say. at TPH and banks and seeing all these young kids and myself back in those days, you know, being there at three in the morning doing slide decks, right? Yeah. Because that's their life, right? right? If you think about the average consulting analyst, average investment banking analyst, let's talk about what their life is. They go for two years and basically be slaves yeah. right they work 100 hours 80 to 100 hours a work week um and 33 of their life is excel 33 percent of their life is powerpoint 33 percent of their life is other basically <laughs> right and yeah they go make a couple hundred grand and then they get their mba and become bigger and better things yeah. right but like they are grunt people yep. right um and if you can save that person just, you know, a couple hours a week, a few hours a week at 20, 25 bucks a month. We think yeah. there's a huge market for that. And then you add on pretty much every company that, you know, again, hey, I need this internal report since, sent once a week. I need this other report sent once a month, like right. to automate that process for people. Yeah. We yeah. think there's a big or market. Even, I mean, shit, even for those types of companies, I need to publish this blog newsletter on a monthly quarterly annual basis to our investors right like and so you've got all both the private side where it's not interactive and it's in a yes. docker sheet versus also being able to publish it publicly which is really fascinating oh you're good man. No, no it's all good um no it's definitely it's definitely a force multiplier um so i mean I was going to ask because you said you've been in spreadsheets for about 30 years. Was, was it always Excel at that point? Or always you, Excel. You never yeah. touched the Lotus 1, 2, 3? Or, you know, never so, Lotus. Okay. I'm not that old. Okay. <laughs> it's Chuck's age. Yeah, it's Chuck. Yeah. I, mean, but, I mean, let's go back there. So, I mean, I've always been a guy that has been on very small. And why am I adept at this? Because I've been always been on small teams my entire career. So, this is just kind of a, you know, a luck maybe, let's call it. Like, and, and I always had to do a bunch of stuff by myself. Like the hedge fund that I worked at, there was like five of us managing 400 million we were all analyzing eight industries yeah. right you know or you know uh, sub industries so um yeah hey how do i know all this stuff i got to pull data right yeah. like and automate some of my processes and i'll go back to when i was at first union this is back in 0304 
even back in those days, uh, Bloomberg, you know, you could still use Excel and write mm -hmm. the Bloomberg formulas to okay. tie into their API. And so back in uh, back in 0304, I had built a like six page. Here's the weekly commodity data. And back then, nobody was doing this type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. So and I wasn't on the oil seat uh, uh, trading group team, but I shared it to them. And that became a product that they sent out to their entire kind of client base every week. Right. Um, back in those days, again, there's a product called SNL Energy that S&P ended up bu buying. They basically built a business around FERC Form 1 data, oh. right? Which is just like, you know, crazy, tough to get through. And, you know, used to be you had to dig for it. It's actually now available via an API, right? Yeah. But back in those days, you couldn't access that stuff. So uh, same thing. You could build... Uh, rate in Excel, uh, tie into their API. So you could basically, for any utility, they did utilities and banks, structure model where you would just say, hey, change the ticker, or right. they would do the non-public, you know, kind of operating companies too, change the name, and I have a full 10-year projection going on and what their fuel mix looks like and what their cost, you know. So yeah. I've always been a guy that was always trying to automate my process. Yeah, smart, sure. Smarter, not harder. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was, I was wanting to ask, like, you know, obviously I've seen you even talk about on Twitter, your big spreadsheet guy, you know, what, what would you say is probably your magnum opus? What was, what was, was there ever a certain spreadsheet that you were just really proud of or? Probably the one that, you know, I did with um, the other folks there on Twitter for the whiting short piece. Okay. Um, that was probably the most complex, you know, model that I've ever done. Okay. Right. So it was, uh. I mean, it's still available. Certainly happy to share it with anybody, but it was, you know, pretty darn good. I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean, right now, certainly Rapify is. Yeah, right? of course. Like it yeah. is, um, you know, I think it's, like I said, I think it's revolutionary, not evolutionary. It's going to be when I, you know, again, and this is, we all fall in love with our own products and our kids and all yeah. that shit, right? Like, but when I play with this, it's it, it immediately, I think to me is like, how could I ever go back to doing it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, <laughs> And it's, you know, just, and I'll give again, my, my co-founders, Ashton and Belly, huge kudos. Like, like I said, I'm a guy with a whole bunch of ideas and what they say is Jeff, like we want people to use this. If it's too confusing, they're not going to use it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like we need to limit it to like what is really needed. Yeah. Focus on the UX. Yeah. And, and you know, it has to be simple, right? Because yeah. if it's not simple and not easy, people aren't going to use it. Right. Yeah. So they've done just an amazing job where it's like, you just kind of, anybody any dummy can just you know basically all you need is your data wrapper kind of access code plug it in download it from the google workspace store and you're off to the races right and it's like hey let me create a chart in google sheets and then you know go open my google slides version of the same add-on and there that chart is and i can drop into a new slide you know so it's all integrated across yeah. their products too it's super super nice i wanted to ask uh walk me through just like the modeling process for from the kind of finance investment side for energy, right? Cause I, I took, so I took a, when I was getting my master's, I took a commodities trading class and you know, they, we had to trade gasoline and crude and nat gas once a week. And, you know, through that class, they teach you about, you know, the heating days and the cooling days and uh, all, how important a lot of those like metrics are in kind of, analysis and trading and stuff but i'm just curious just out of personal interest honestly what like what all what all you know finance and equity guys are looking at from a, a market data perspective obviously there's plenty of proprietary stuff and you know everybody's own pieces but like what kind of data are people normally pulling obviously I mean, to each zone, of course, right? Yeah. Like if you're investing, you better be looking at company data. So SEC data and, you know, what at the end of the day, what drives energy companies is a macro view. I mean, yeah. that, and that's always been what interested me about energy. It seems like you, you have to have a macro view to understand the micro, right? You can kind of work bottoms up or you can work top down. Yeah. You probably end up at a similar place, but I think you need the ability to do both quite frankly. Yeah, sure. Right? Well, yeah. And I mean, that's, because I'm a mechanical engineer by uh, education and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the energy industry until I really started fracking, right. honestly, which is crazy. But, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I don't feel like enough people know or understand or appreciate is like 
going out and building a pipeline or buying, you know, a multi hundred million dollar, billion dollar asset. Those are like multi-decade timelines, time horizons that the finances are all modeled over, right? It's not a, oh, we're going to go be profitable after two years after we spend a hundred billion dollars, a hundred million dollars. It's five, 10, 20, 30 plus year, you know, projections and timelines for the business to actually be begin being profitable. I mean, investment has whole different spectrums, right? There's traders, there's investors, there's long-term, there's short-term. You know, again, I've kind of always been in that daily mark to market life where it's like, you got to make money this month, you know, know, and that's different than private equity money where you have, you know, kind of long-term locked up money. Your money's not locked up when you're in short-term. Right. (laughs) Right. So you have to be good every month. So everybody's strategies are going to be different, right? At the end of the day, Um, you know, going back to your question about the best kind of spreadsheet, one of them might have been when I was at TPH where, um, and I'll give him credit, Eitan Bernstein, who was working with me at the time, built just an amazing spreadsheet where we had the best model in the world, in my opinion, of, um, we were ingesting Bloomberg bond prices as like, you know, the whole bond market's imploding. And we we had built a basically kind of a one page, let's just call it PV10, our version of a PV10, the way to blow down the PDP and value the PUDs. And, and um, you know, we kind of link the whole thing with Bloomberg and say, well, this is our value and, and waterfalled the value of the company basically through the cap structure too. So that each, you know, whether it was unsecured or secured, we had a value every single day based and it was tied to commodity prices too, right? So it was dynamic every single day. We knew exactly what each one of those bonds should have been worth, right? And, you know, again, getting back to our kind of discussion here, like shit was moving so fast back in those days. Do I have time to go my IT team and say, hey, Let's build this super cool AI ML model that, you know, is going to tell me all this data and we need to ingest it and put it in a database. And by the time that happens, that trade's gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you do it in a spreadsheet, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, that's just the way life works in a lot mm-hmm. of situations, you know, and I don't think that ever changes. Frankly. Yeah. No. What is, uh, yeah, no, it's what's, what's one source that you feel like is, a very useful one that a lot of people don't really look at, right? Like I said, you know, you get the heating days, you get the cooling days, you get futures, you got, you know, you got all these like market. I mean, you know, my, my, again, kind of our shtick has been to find unique data sets, right? So, um, and part of what we've done on the data aggregation side is say, Hey, I can tie into all these open APIs, but there's also all this data that, lives in csv and excel files all over the place mm-hmm. that yeah. we can then turn into apis basically yeah. right so i mean i've put some recent stuff out around and i you know if you guys follow my twitter and anybody listens to me i try to be like a myth buster and i'm certainly viewed as you know for for some reason you know politically aligned with with <laughs> busting some of these myths but like for example the department of interior has a great data set on oil and gas production on federal leases Okay. That is not available via a, any API, right? So nobody plays with it. It's camp, it's not on Bloomberg. I've never seen anybody use it, quite frankly, right? And so those are the types of data sets that I find interesting where it's like, hey, let me show you actually what is happening right. in that kind yeah. of oil and gas, um, you know, federal lease story. Yeah. And the reality is it's a Leah and Eddie County, New Mexico story completely. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, and unless we can accelerate there, nothing's going to happen to yeah. accelerate production. Right. right? Um, and, you know, just did some things on gas flaring on federal leases. And, you know, so, so you know, my shtick is to find kind of off the run data yeah. sets that people don't play with typically. And yeah. say, hey, here's some insights from them. Yeah. Uh, questions come from watching billions and all the different stock sh- or trading shows and stuff where it's like, Oh yeah, my guy's got satellite imagery of the plant and they say they're done and <laughs> I, it's not done and man, I short the had, shit out of, you know, it's, I just it's, had this conversation with somebody who was on Twitter, but you know, a DM guy I've been DMing with and I'm convinced nobody ain't knows anything. Like um, I'm, I've been around long I'm enough. Right there you, with can, you. You, you can maybe convince yourself, you know, something with data and whatnot, but like, I've been around energy for now 20, 25 years. Every management team, they're always structurally bullish, right? And they're typically always wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, they'll be right. You know, even a broken clock's right, you know, half the time, mm-hmm. right? But 
Um, I've made huge mistakes. Some of the most respected people have made huge mistakes. Like I said, the complex thing about energy is you need a macro view. This right. isn't just yeah. like, hey, I'm selling iPhones and I got this secular kind of thing and I just need more penetration and boom, right. the math works. Right. Right? Need, like, it's like money global. because I have a supply yeah, issue. Supply, right? demand yeah, and like, geopolitics and, you know, kind it of is such a dynamic local, game. you know, refining dynamics. Yeah, and you just had the Russian something other blow up. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, like I thought we were out of the woods on net gas and here we are at two bucks again. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us in the, in the industry, any industry experts would have said, yeah. you know, 12 months ago yeah. when we're sitting at eight bucks that like, yeah, no. we're going right back to the shit. Well, that, it was like, all right, well, Freeport went down, but when that comes back on, you yeah. know, it'll go back up. Yeah. Here we right. are. None of us know anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and even like it, the macro view is so like important, but it's also just fascinating how like, no matter what your personal thoughts are on what the market is or like, you know, I guess people's definitions of macro are also very different. Right. But like, I don't think our two to three year outlook is at current prices is realistic. <laughs> like, right. And we just dropped below 70 yesterday. Right. And it's like, how the hell are we sitting at, at that with demand still up? I know projection, like, of course it's all based off, you know, projections and scary, scary news things but it's uh i mean and, you know the i mean what i can say is the market in commodity land sells first ask questions later oh, right and yeah. obviously there the is rumor. there is a fear over global recession mm -hmm. but to me that's kind of again when i pulled in this morning apple was pretty much at all-time highs yeah, nothing right? supporting so, it no, right? seemingly so, and, and, it, and it's such a big company it's pulling the market up and mm -hmm. it's like the feds, I mean, listen, the fed wants a recession and they want people to lose jobs yep. and they want the economy to roll over a little bit. Balance I mean, some of that cash um, back out. so, you know, if they keep raising rates, it's ultimately going to happen. And that's not good for, and we're having a banking crisis that yeah. none of us could have ever imagined because they're getting wiped out by holding treasuries, right? They're yeah. holding risk-free assets and getting wiped out. It's a crazy duration thing. So, you know, the market's selling first, asking questions later, but um, it's one of the most interesting times in my 20, 30 years of covering space just because of, you know, I think market's also saying, well, is this EV stuff real? Is yeah. this renewable stuff yeah. real? Um, I'm a big believer that there's going to be over promise and under deliver, but I actually do think it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, you know, well, I mean, uh, as a mechanical engineer, an electric vehicle is actually way better <laughs> mechanic, just For like sure. efficiently yeah. from an efficiency perspective. As an was. Audi owner, I can confirm that given my, my cost yeah. to get repairs for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, <Nah. laughs> but, uh, no, it's, yeah, it's just wild. Cause I completely agree with you. The minute you think, you know, something, it does the exact opposite of what you think it's going to do. I also think it's crazy because, you know, it, I saw a, a chart the other day and it was like the Dow with oil price just line chart. And it was back, I think it was probably 2005, right. You know, a couple of years before the major recession, I think they might've had bonds or inflation on there too, but it was like, Oh, everything went up super high, super high. Everything crashes, including oil. And then guess what? We start to recover and oil pops right back up to a hundred dollars barrel. And generally feel like that's probably what's gonna i mean we've already had this kind of lack of investment on the capex side for a while in new discoveries and new stuff and it's just going to get compounded by a recession and then now I'm, we're at a supply demand i'd sim i'd simplify it. i'm structurally bullish just because um i don't think the u.s can do much more than 13 million barrels a day you know, yeah know, yeah i mean i don't i don't like the whole going from six to 13 or whatever, or seven to 13, like that's never going to happen again. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. We don't have, we just don't have takeaway capacity even. I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't have takeaway capacity. It's I just, all like infrastructure. I mean, I think investment, like, no, for you, sure. know, it's not you guys would know better than I, you know, tier one is kind of drilled up. Right. Like, yeah. so just like the wells aren't going to be as good. It's, you know, kind of, I just don't see. Um, and I think OPEC's realized that too, that yeah. they mm -hmm. may have taken market power back a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, but again, like to tie this back to super quick to, you know, your comment about data and figuring things out. I mean, that's ultimately like what we're trying to do at Repify, right? Like yeah. how do you take all this data yeah. and how do you kind of crystallize it into summarize it in visual business insight format yeah. and 
do it at scale. And we all try our best to, yeah. you know, read the tea leaves and say, what is that chart telling me where it's going? And yeah. what's this, you know, model or this table telling me? Um, but none of us know at the end of the day, right? But like, we're trying to make it easier for you to think, you know. Yeah. Data-driven yeah. <laughs> no, um, I mean, data, data decisions are much, even just by yourself, right? Like if you don't, I like to always have set people I can ask about stuff, but if it's just you having the data to at least support your hypothesis or prove your hypothesis completely wrong is very useful. Right. Yeah. I mean, and what, you know, what do we see here in the U S I mean, just specific to that again, I mean, I think we see, start to see consolidation, right. If we are going to flatline growth, like mm -hmm. what's, yeah. what's the point of just having a whole bunch of companies, right. Because no, yeah. at the end of the day, you can really only cut out OpEx really, you know, mm -hmm. for the most part. And you know, where, where can you cut anymore? That's yeah. just at the GNA line item. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, wasn't that kind of a deal with this recent Callen? Uh, weren't they actually reducing rig count? Like, you know, after selling the Eagleford and taking over the yeah. the Permian stuff, it's like they're actually reducing the rig count. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And, and I mean, just hitting back to data sets too. I mean, I just put something out on intersection that was related to put both the gas and the oil numbers. You know, they have uh, the DOI, Department of Interior, has data on who's paying royalties every year, right? So if you were to look at calendar 20, 2022, it was the most number of companies that paid royalties on federal leases in like 14 years, right? And it's up 20% over the last two years. And yeah. a lot of that's private equity companies and, you know, smaller companies right. drilling in Delaware and whatnot. But, um, you know, the data just doesn't match the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, that's just reality. Um, so it's, to me, you know, data tells the story, Absolutely. data tells the truth, data is kind of, data tell you, is going to tell you where we're going, you know? So, I mean, again, just think back and, you know, I hate to even mention any type of politics, but here a year ago, just, I think from an anti Biden perspective, the entire industry thought because of the SPR and because of just bad policy, prices would stay high and go higher. Right. And how many bad decisions were made last year on, you know, yeah. capital yeah. spending and various other things that ultimately weren't based on data. You know? Yeah. Just a, a feeling about where it was going right. to go because of you're not checking their biases. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think we, I think we can all learn by checking our biases. Sure. Yeah. Right. Do you want to jump in a little speed round? Or? Yeah. So I think one that I'll, uh, I'll start off the speed round and just kind of just you real quick. We'll just pepper one, you with questions and just one answer, answers. But, yeah. Well, I was going to make one up on the fly, but uh, Excel or uh, Google Sheets? Ooh. Today, Google Sheets. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I'm in that boat. Yeah. Unless, Today, I mean, Google Sheets. If I, I also do feel like, though, that very much so has to depend on what other, what are you a Windows shop where you've got all your Windows right. licenses? I'm an you? Apple guy too. And yeah. you know, so there, it's a little easier. Oh. Don't even get me going on Apple's no. spreadsheet stuff. It makes me sad. I don't, I've never used Apple's spreadsheets. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'd say 90% of my time these days is in Google. Yeah. Shows, okay. Which is crazy. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's one of the reasons I like it so much, right? Is it's not just an ad, a spreadsheet. I can pull in all kinds of stuff or link it to other stuff. And yeah. yeah. What about, um, outside of wrap up? What is your favorite kind of uh, cloud software tool that you're kind of using these days? I mean, recently Trello, right? Just yeah. from because we're in the midst yeah, of like development, Kanban. and you know, again, get, getting back to just kind of the process of what I've had to learn as a guy that's not a software developer. We have Slack too, right? Yep. And my yeah. process was. Let me just spew a bunch of garbage into the Slack channel of these are my great ideas and then they get lost. Right. Yeah. So to have a process has been huge for, I think, our, you know, again, we're talking about, like I said, February 1st to today, yeah. you know, to have a product that I think is really cool. We've we're on light speed. Right. So to have a really structured process of how that's done, we'd never be here without that. Yeah. And what's the uh, most interesting bleeding tech or emerging tech, uh, coming out that you're, you're most excited about other than Rapify, obviously. I mean, AI, right? Yeah. So it's both exciting and scary, I think, yeah. quite frankly. Right. So, and that should be for all of us. You know, I have a daughter at University of Arkansas. I have a you know, son. That's Woo good. pig. There you go. 
I have a, do- a son that's, you know, junior going to be going to college. And, you know, how do you as a parent rec- recommend what field to go into these days? Right? Just like, even that, but I think it's the balance of like, how should our kids be educated? I mean, like, should it's they learn how true. to, I mean, they need to, learn, need to learn how to use these tools. I mean, in the same way, at least at one point I had someone teach me how to use Google, mm-hmm. right? You know, because, <laughs> you know, it's not just typing what you want. You right. use the right keywords, you know. So, I mean, is there like almost like prompt engineering classes and they're just letting them use that tech to help learn? Like, you right. know, because you want to use it, but at the same time, I think there's still a lot of value in just learning how to like do things away from a computer and like right. being able to be creative outside yeah. of that too. It's I, a tough balance. That's the scariest part. Like you could, I mean, our kids, right? Like yeah. I could see a very, Bobby and I have kids both under, how old's your son? Seven. Seven, yeah. yeah both under seven and it's like there's a very real future where they don't have driver's licenses they don't uh and they also rely on a chat whatever the mod the, the language model is in the future for like that's their dictionary that's our google yeah. basically for them right and so that's like well man i mean yeah it's like it goes makes me think of like in school where they're like oh well you gotta learn how to do it by hand before you use your calculator yeah why i will always have a calculator at my disposal for the rest of my life i mean it's super interesting from a tech perspective and obviously the you know topic of this podcast right just because the way that you can create code too right so like everybody can create their own app and what does that mean for bigger tech companies and whatnot and you know, again, I'm like, hey, I'm a startup doing stuff that like AI might be able to replace me. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if you like there's gonna be value in curation, right? There's, mm-hmm. hey, there's gonna be prompt engineers, right? But yeah. like, you know, it, you got to create a better experience yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? Something that's, again, getting back yeah. to easy to use. Humans have to use it, yeah. Right. Like. Um, For now. <laughs> because <laughs> if you create, you know, an app for yourself, that might not work for other people right, right? so yeah. I, I still think there's going to be products that are mass products and people that don't want to prompt down and prompt down and prompt yeah. down and prompt out right? yeah yeah otherwise like i said we all need you know guns and cabins <laughs> yeah soon. guns good uh, both. pickled food and uh and ammo right i mean i you know i'm interested you know where does ai go in energy right i mean is yeah. that in the you know kind of does that have hit the pe level where it's like hey we can just draw type curves you know with ai these days mm-hmm. i think that's been done for a while now frankly, yeah right um is that used at the drilling level is that used at the finance level um i mean is any of those and um, you know i think we've talked about it we could talk about it, like for, for a whole other podcast about it but i mean just there's that element of risk of letting something yep. take the reins on that right you know yeah. just the what's the upside and the downside right yeah. and, that, and that comes down to technology might be great and i think this is one of the limiting factors near term but like you ain't going to take career risk you ain't going to take career no, risk no. and say hey let, let, let ai just do that yeah you know? well especially we've talked about it before and i'm sure we'll talk about it again especially in you know the energy space where it's not like oh the risk is the app doesn't work and you know it's facebook and the users just don't get to check their likes that day the risk is you have a blowout people die there's right yeah macondo right, right. Like yeah. it's a much different yeah but the type curve is way wrong and right you right. invested 300 million dollars more than you should have like, right yeah. right you overpaid right you underspent no that's uh that's where like i honestly think and it's with every new technology, right? You get through this big hype cycle, overpromise, underdeliver, then everybody gets really down on it. And then you come back somewhere between the top and the bottom of that. And that's the actual reality. And it'll slowly progress up until the right from there. The adoption. Right. And I think like that's for a lot of call it commercial applications, right? Where you have there's domain knowledge and expertise that goes into something and there's a bunch of risk, whether it's financial, human, et cetera into that where you're still going to have to have a person there kind of prompting, controlling, guiding for a long time before it gets to a fully automated, yeah. throw it out in the field and let it run type of scenario. Right. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Last question. Well, I've got two. What's your favorite board or video game? And then what's your favorite? Uh, are you a Bitcoin maxi or are you into any kind of crypto? Uh, board or video game. It's probably a card game if that works. It's yeah. Nasta. My wife and I okay. like Nasta, uh, with, with other couples as well. So, um, and then no, not in the crypto at all. Never. And, you know, kind of kick myself in the ass. And I'm not that I'm a, you know, huge 
believer on where it goes. We'll see, I guess. But, you know, I was can still recall the early Bloomberg stories and you talking oh nine ten yeah oh uh, yeah and reading about it and you know back in those days to have just thrown a tiny you know one or two percent of my you know money into it would have been you know yeah. move, quite frankly yeah right. you wouldn't so, have been worried about rap and and I you know I yeah exactly and I you know I I kind of worry about the energy implications and maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong on that. I don't fully understand how it helps, you know, energy. I, I get it right. If there's stranded assets that need mm-hmm. to be used 24 seven, but, um, yeah, I'm not a huge, I'm not convinced that it's beneficial to the world. Yeah. Way. No, there's definitely some things I got to overcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly very curious to see how it handles the impending recession because it has at least, Bitcoin and Ethereum, the two that I support and follow. Um, I think, you know, since, you know, Bitcoin came out of the recession as a product of, you know, basically backlash towards it and the Occupy Wall Street and all that stuff, but we haven't ever seen a big like economic event while Bitcoin has existed. So it, it's still, the jury's still out. It's got to prove itself that it will hold value when a recession does actually right. hit or it's just going to. I mean, it did lag, right? It was, it's always been pitched as an inflation hedge mm-hmm. too, right? Because yeah. then, and that started with central banks yep. printing money in 0809. And uh, I mean, it, the recent bounce would suggest it's done well with inflation, but it certainly lagged for quite a while. Sure. Um, and I mean, I think it's just a provable fact that there's a whole bunch of scammers involved in it. I mean, yeah. and that's. You could say that about any industry, right? Like they need to clean that up before it's going to be taken seriously. That's, yeah. That's one of the things that I always <laughs> tell people. It's like, yeah, it's just a bunch of scammers. And it's like, well, a lot of those guys are just ex wall street guys that yeah. were doing the same thing on wall street yeah, and are now yep. just doing it in an unregulated fashion, even worse. But it's uh, well, and then of course you can't get the sec to even make a ruling on what they are, which is a whole other can, but Anyway, off that uh, rabbit hole, how do how do people find you? Yeah, do- so so find me personally on Twitter at Energy Credit One. You know, reach out on LinkedIn if you want. We do have the intersection IO. So if you you want to continue to see kind of but now you know kind of yeah. two times a week insights there, and then Rapify Rapify Tech is the website uh, that will be you know on Google Workspace you know, knock on wood, hopefully in yeah. a week or by the time this, yeah. this goes out. And that, uh, there is a free or like a trial version. Yeah. It'll be yeah. free for a month. You know, we're really not looking to monetize it till we get feedback and yeah. iterate, okay. quite frankly. So, yeah. so early adopters will be kind of, you know, the people that we build around and, you know, I mean, just to hit on that real quick too, I've had a lot of people reach out and that is, you know, folks in corporate finance, co- folks in investor relations, FPNA, you know, kind of, across the board had a really big consulting firm, you know, you know, said they have, they do a 50 person pilot, 500 person pilot. And I asked them how many people do slide decks there. And they said 80,000. Right? Okay. <laughs> That'll work. So, yeah. Oh, that's so. awesome. Awesome. Well, best of luck. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate you coming, man. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Right. Everybody go. Perfect. Go sign up and test out the free trial. I'm going to myself. So cool. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do goodbye